Blog Talk Radio. Neither aiming at originality of principle or sentiment, nor yet copied from any particular previous writing, it was intended to be an expression of the American mind and to give to that expression the proper tone and spirit called for the occasion. in the very midst of revolution, the most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. Every post and every day rolls in upon us independence like a torrent. Our obligations to our country never cease, but with our lives. We must all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. Why is it we hesitate? For God's sake, let us come to the final separation. The birthday of the new world is at hand. The tree of liberty is watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants both. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. And to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men that all men that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends. It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and institute new government. Laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form. As to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that government long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations Pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for the future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies. And such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. Therefore, the representative of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these United Colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states. That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may have right to. And for the support of this declaration, 
with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Why so large, Mr. Hancock? So that Fat George can read it all the way from London without using this spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> On this day, we light a great torch of freedom. Huzzah! I am an American. I, I, I. We are Americans. Our citizenship in the United States is our national character. Our citizenship in any particular state is only our local distinction. By the latter, we are known at home. By the former, to the world. Our great title is America. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the C. Robert Jones Conservative Report for Tuesday, April the 10th, 2012. I am your host, Cool Mike. Robert is still on vacation, as always. <laughs> I should say, as always. He should be back either tomorrow or the day after. Um, programming note, um, I'm unsure about tomorrow's show due to the fact I don't know if Doc Jones will be back or not. Last year... Um, I think he actually, uh, on the day he was supposed to come back, he came back the day after. But either way, um, the show is a question mark as of right now. But if I do have a show tomorrow, it will be at 7 p.m. Thank you for joining me, everybody. Um, we can have a moment of silence and uh, loving memory of those we love and and memory of those we cherish, those who are still with us who may need our prayers, those who have left us who need our prayers. Heavenly Father, be with all of us in a world of uncertainty and in a world of change where we need your light. In times where it is dark, in times where it is cold, in times where it's raining. Please give us that faith and courage and confidence to make it a bright and sunny day. The warmth to protect us from the cold rain and the confidence to attain and to achieve in an America where our colors, as always, are red, white, and blue. All righty. Thank you very much. Continuing on with our show from yesterday, part two. Uh, today's show is in loving memory of Private First Class Domingo Arroyo, Jr. He died on January 13, 1993. He was a United States Marine, was the first Puerto Rican-American um, and the first American killed in Operation Restore Hope during the Somalia Civil War. Uh, the show today, In Loving Memory Part 2, we're going to emphasize the Navy and the Air Force, as yesterday we did the, the Army, and of course, the Marines, because C. Robert Jones is a Marine. Also, for the second half of the show, we are going to be joined by a United States Air Force veteran in the Vietnam War, congressional candidate from the 6th District, Craig Miller, who is running in the newly drawn 6th District there. Uh, and it, you can read in the description on what areas it covers. We're going to ask him questions from A to Z. We will be taking your calls if you want, if you'd like. Uh, Craig Miller is a true conservative who has a proven success and business record, and his loyalty to our country is not a political party. He is a family man who loves this country and is very proud of this country. Craig Miller is on Main Street for We the People. He'll join us for the second hour for about a half hour in true fashion to talk about the issues facing 2012 at the federal level. All righty, and with that being said and done, today in history, April 10th. 
April 10, 1998. In Northern Ireland, peace talks conclude with a landmark deal aimed at ending 30 years of bitter rivalries and bloody attacks. Negotiators signed the Good Friday Agreement, calling for power sharing between Protestants and Catholics in the troubled region. 1912. The Titanic set sail from Southampton, England, on its maiden voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. That journey ends in tragedy just days later, when the British luxury liner sinks after hitting an iceberg. 1925, F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, a novel about the American dream during the Roaring Twenties, is first published. And in 1992... Ah! What did I do to my life? Ah! Ah! Raunchy comedian Sam Kinison is killed when a pickup truck hits his car on a California highway. Kinison was 38 years old. Today in history, April 10th, Sandy Cozell, The Associated Press. All righty. Let's kick off the show today and first we going to earn with first we are going to honor a great tribute. This was made for an individual talking about the Navy SEAL, a tribute to the Navy SEAL team that did a special mission. Today on the C. Robert Jones Conservative Report, this is your welcome home. Yes, many of them didn't many of them came home in body bags, but you know what? To us, our heroes, you were walking, you were running. And we are the loved ones, the arms you've run into. You're running into our arms with our hugs and our kisses and our thankfulness. You are always our heroes. On this day, we welcome you home. I had an unforgettable day yesterday, and I wanted to share it with you. I know we've all sat around and discussed in detail why we do what we do, and if we will be willing to continue to do what we do, day in and day out, regardless of deployment retirement decisions, job opportunities, missed birthdays, missed holidays, etc. This is something I wanted to share, and you were the people that came to mind. It's another reason I continue to serve, I guess because many others do and sacrifice a lot more, some even their lives. My crew was alerted yesterday to find that our mission had changed. We were now a backup to a high-priority mission originating from Afghanistan. When I asked where we would be going, the answer was, back to the States. Later I learned our destination was Dover. I was the aircraft commander for one of the two C-17s that transferred the Chinook helicopter crash soldiers back home. The crew that started this mission in Afghanistan would end up running out of crew duty day and need another crew to continue the soldier's journey. We just happened to be available. After being alerted and going through our normal sequence, I found myself at the foot of the aircraft steps. Before I took my first step upward, I noticed a transfer case close to the door. I had only seen one in pictures. The American flag was tucked smartly, folded and secured on top. I paused at the bottom of the stairs, took a deep breath, and continued up with my mind and eyes focusing on making it to the next ladder leading to the cockpit. However, as I entered, I couldn't help but notice the remaining 19 transfer cases in the cargo compartment. The entire cargo compartment was filled with identical transfer cases with American flags. There are moments in life I will never forget. For me, it's the days my son and daughter were born. Another occurred five months ago when I had to deliver the unthinkable news to a mother that her son was killed in Afghanistan. And although I didn't anticipate another day like that this soon, yesterday was another. I looked at the paperwork I was signing and realized the magnitude of the day. I glanced over the paperwork and signed. In a way, I felt I had taken ownership of these fallen soldiers. It was now my duty to ensure they make it home. After confirming the pre-flight was complete and the aircraft was fueled, I went outside to start my walk around. As I walked down the steps, a bus had parked in front of the aircraft and unloaded 11 passengers. The passengers were fellow SEAL team members who were escorting the fallen back to the States. I stood at the front of the aircraft and watched them board. All of them walked off the bus with focus in their eyes and determination in their steps. Just as I imagine they do when they go on a mission. I made eye contact with the lead SEAL, nodded my head in respect, and he nodded back. 
Finishing my walk around, I stopped at the bottom of the stairs. I looked up into the cargo compartment. Two American flags and one SEAL Team 6 flag hung from the top of the cargo compartment. Three of 20 transfer cases were visible. One with an American flag and two with Afghan flags. I looked up at my aircraft and saw United States Air Force painted on the side and I stood trying to take it all in. I wanted to make certain that I never forget these images, that I never forget the faces of the seals, the smell of the cargo compartment, or the sun slowly rising over the landscape. It's important that I don't forget. We need to honor the dead, to honor the sacrifice of the fallen. I understand my role in getting these fallen soldiers home is insignificant compared to the lives they lived and the things they did for our country. Most of it we will never know. All I know is every American should see what I've seen. Every American should see the busloads of families as they exit the freeway headed for Dover Air Force Base to reunite with their fallen or witness the amount of time, effort, people and equipment that go into ensuring our fallen have an honorable return. The very next day we took the same aircraft back overseas. We had leveled the aircraft at our cruise altitude and I walked down to the cargo compartment. No more American flags hung from the ceiling. All the transfer cases were gone. Instead, I watched a father lie with his son, cradled on his chest, on the same spot that only yesterday held a fallen soldier. I watched a young girl clutching a teddy bear, sleeping quietly where the fallen had lain. I realized so many Americans have no idea where the fallen lie. I am honored to be one that does. How touching is that? That is just absolutely amazing, a tribute to the wonderful SEALs. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad to have you here for the C. Robert Jones Conservative Report. I am Cool Mike in for Clarence Jones. I'd like to welcome everyone in the chat room. 2020! <laughs> That's my guy right there. Stick around. Second half, we're going to have uh, um, Craig is going to be uh, um, joining us. Uh, he is running for Congress out of the 6th District of uh, Florida, Craig Miller, and he is the former CEO of Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Uh, he'll take your calls. Uh, Af- African American Educational Network, thank you. BMW for Tam, our couple of guests there, Sexy Sammy, Texas GOP girl, TM Vander Kirkhoff, and White Punk on Dope. Glad to have you here, as always. We're going to shift, continuing on, um, but we're going to shift to a very special moment. This is a special moment because it involves remembering the brave, thinking about the brave. This is an emotional, emotional, emotional ride right here. So, the day after the death or the morning of a death. Here is an individual SEAL's family, his young wife, his mother, and his father. And I believe it's ABC, whichever is with Charlie Gibson, but here is a very, very, very emotional tribute in honor of another wonderful hero. Kimberly Vaughn's husband, Aaron, was one of the Navy SEALs who died in that attack. She is with us now, along with Aaron's parents, Billy and Karen Vaughn. And as I welcome you to the show, please accept my condolences. Thank you. Thank you. Kimberly, even as I express my condolences to you and Mr. and Mrs. Vaughn, I was reading last night that you think we should start by making sure that our condolences are expressed to all the families who are grieving this morning because Aaron truly felt he was a member of a team. Exactly. Um, Although I'm able to be here this morning and I'm thankful to share Aaron's story, um, the other people have also lost their loved ones and they're they're feeling no less grief than I am. Mr. Vaughn, I was reading about your son and boy. um, He was an impressive young man as a child, as a young adult, as as a son, as a father, as a husband. He was a young man who stood out. Why did he want to be a SEAL? Uh, well, Matt, I can just tell you that uh, 
after 9-11, Aaron told me and his mother that he wanted to be a SEAL, and he said that uh, he had wanted to ever since he was a little boy. And uh, Aaron, if I can just say it, he, God bless him, he loved his country, he loved God, he loved Kimberly, and he loved Reagan and Chamberlain, and he honestly believed and saw black and white that what we're involved in, and he told me this, is a war for the survival of our republic. Aaron knows that the war with Islamic fundamentalism, radicalism has gone on for hundreds of years, if not thousands. And it can be traced through history. And he felt, and so did the other members of his team, felt that the very existence of our republic is at stake. And because of that, Aaron was willing to give his life. And what I have to say is that SEAL Team 6, I, I just know those men felt the same way, and they see it clearly. They see it black and white. And so many of us don't. And Aaron told me right out of his own mouth that he had a class where he said, Dad, there's three kinds of, the man told us there's three kinds of people in the world, sheep, dogs, sheep, and wolves. And I can honestly say that SEAL Team 6 are the sheepdogs. And the sheepdogs always see the warning. They see it black and white. They see it clearly. The sheep, most of us are sheep. We don't usually see it. Karen. And there are some wolves out there. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, there are wolves out there. And, and Aaron explained it to me. And, and you know, it's, it's really strange, Matt, that, that 90 some odd days ago, SEAL Team 6 had a big victory and possibly sheep in high places said things that made many of us very uncomfortable. Uh, and now some 90 some odd days later, SEAL Team 6 has suffered a terrible tragedy. And I just pray that during these last days, these next days, that they'll allow SEAL Team 6, the wives, the children, the families, to grieve, to bury their dead, and not make it political. Karen, you, you, said, time. you said something over the weekend that really struck me. You said, now, if there is anything good to come out of this, for the first time you get to talk about the amazing things that Aaron did in his life and his career with the SEALs, because there's a huge code of secrecy here and now you get to brag a little about him. What, what are you most proud of in terms of his accomplishments? Well, I'm most proud of Aaron's humility and his nobility. But more than anything, I'm, I'm most proud of the way he loved God and how important his faith was to him. And, and you know, Aaron, uh, everything he did, like you said, was secret. And it just feels really strange right now that, uh, that only in his death can we celebrate who he was in his life. It's, it's, very, it's a very difficult concept to understand. But what Aaron would want everybody to know most is that he loved America. He believed America could be great again. And he fought for the America he grew up in, Matt, and, and we believe, we're, we're a very patriotic family, we believe that America will be on its feet again and, and, an, and a country that the rest of the world looks to as a leader. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just really sad about this huge loss. We're really sad that our son is gone, but we know, we know that... Uh, he would have he would have done it all again. Kimberly, you you met and he loved every minute of his life. Kimberly, you met Aaron in Guam. I think he was serving there. You were there as part of a USO tour. You were a member of the uh, Washington Redskins cheerleaders. And here was this tough warrior, but you saw a tender side of him. Uh, you have two children. Reagan is two, I believe, and your daughter was born only eight weeks ago. He made it home for both of those births, so he was home just in June. What was that visit like? Um, it was wonderful. You know, as much as these men are gone away from their families um, over hundreds of days over the years, that uh, 
that we make the most of our time together and we were blessed that we could be together for the birth of our children and um, Aaron was an amazing father and uh, and I'm proud that I will get to carry on his legacy through their through our children what do you want your kids to know about him when they get old enough to understand who he was what's the one thing you want them to take away they will take away his love for Christ it will take away his strength and his love for this country and they will know what an amazing man he is was Karen and Billy and, and Kimberly thank you so much I know how difficult it is for you to join us this morning please accept our condolences and we thank Aaron for his service to this country and you for your how touching is that? What great Americans. They don't ask for anything. When is the last time you've seen a veteran come home, uh, say in the last 12 years, and say, you owe me? Almost never. It's all about we the people. What great, great heroes. Here's the parents grieving just moments after getting this news. Well, maybe more than moments, but... Just wonderful, wonderful people. Um, let's pray tribute to Sergeant Wolf. You don't hear often about a she being killed in combat. And you never hear me ever, ever agreeing with Maxine Waters. But here's Maxine Waters paying tribute to another fallen hero and a very beautiful, beautiful beautiful young lady. I rise first to honor the memory of Sergeant Edgevides Presidio Wolf of Hawthorne, California. Sergeant Wolf was an Army Sergeant assigned to the uh, 107th Brigade Support Battalion, 4th Brigade Combat Team, 4th Infantry Division out of Fort Carson, Colorado. Sergeant Wolf was a hero who gave her life and service to her country. Sergeant Wolf, also known as Doobie, dreamed of serving in the U.S. military as a child who immigrated to the United States from Mexico with her family. As soon as Doobie was able, she joined the United States military so that she could fulfill her lifelong dream to serve and protect her country. She met her husband, Josh, at Fort Bragg. Together they had two daughters, three-year-old Isabel and one-year-old Valerie. Both Duvi and Josh were deployed to Afghanistan where they served in separate units. Tragically, Duvi recently died in an insurgent attack while in Afghanistan. She was only 24 years old. Earlier this month on Veterans Day, I had the honor and privilege of participating in events with veterans and their families in my congressional district in Hawthorne, and Inglewood, California. I was deeply moved by the families of our service members. Not only do service members make major sacrifices, but so do their families. They live with the harsh realities of war and its implications on them. Spouses must sacrifice long-term career planning, and children are oftentimes forced to transfer to different schools throughout the country. Tragically, as is the reality of combat theaters, some of our troops do not make it home. Today I salute and thank Sergeant Wolf, along with all of our nation's past and present heroes who sacrificed a great deal in service to this country. I express my condolences to Duvis' sister, Cecilia, and Hawthorne on Veterans Day, and I know that her friends and family are still mourning. It is my hope that they will find comfort and peace in the loving memories and the distinguished legacy of service that Duvis leaves behind. I thank you. Well, that's probably one of the rare. If <clears throat> that is the only time I've ever agreed with uh, with uh, Maxine Waters, she's paying tribute to a uh, fallen soldier in her district. Wow, these are very, very tough, very tough moments. We uh, we can't thank our soldiers enough. We can't thank our troops enough. And today, on this day, this is their welcome home, even in body bags to us dear heroes. To us, they are wonderful people. Instead of going to a break, I have uh, something I want to do um, as we fly into the break. 
and I want to welcome my esteemed host from Southern Sense, Annie, to the chat room. I'm going to play a song, and I'm going to read the names of the individuals of individuals who are uh, who have been killed in battle. I think that's a great way to send a tribute. Um, I posted something in the chat room where they can follow along and see the names. I'm going to do the first song. I'll finish the the rest tomorrow for the second half. But um, here we're going to honor the troops. We're going to pay tribute to the troops. And this is my way of saying thank you. This is my way of being off the airplane when you arrive to give you that hug. This is my way of saying whoever you are, and regardless of who you are, you are our heroes. So as we close the first half of the show, we pay tribute to our heroes, our wonderful, wonderful heroes from the United States military who have fallen. Brian Harvey. Army Special Forces George W. McCauley Army He had a Louis baby on the way Air Force And every excuse for him to stay Something wouldn't let him Michael P. Paul It's something they just can't control Army. Florida, and 
grew up in the, on the intercoastal waterway in Brevard County, which some people may know it uh, more familiar as the Cocoa Beach area. Uh, I uh, had my first job when I was 13 years old washing dishes and literally went from the dish room to the boardroom over a uh, almost 40-year career in the food service industry. I had three major uh, opportunities after I came back from the military and, and got a degree in accounting from the University of Central Florida. One was uh, 11 years with the Darden uh, Company, which is primarily known for its Red Lobster and Olive Garden brands. And then I joined a small pizza chain in Boston called Pizzeria Uno and grew it from five restaurants to uh, over 200 and, and built a $400 million business out of that. Uh, my last uh, uh job in the food service industry was uh, as chairman, president, and chief executive of Roos Chris Steakhouse. So I'm a service-minded person. I've been in the hospitality business all my life. I still am a restaurant owner uh, with my brother in, in a family business. So uh, I'm running for Congress in District 6 in Florida to try to offer the people of, of our district the opportunity to bring a Main Street uh, business uh, uh, background to the U.S. Congress. Uh, as I have worked with the National Restaurant Association for many years and uh, and tried to influence the uh, the types of things that go on in Washington. I learned a long time ago that the type of people that we have historically sent to Washington are not solutions-minded. Uh, they're, they're usually career politicians. Many of them are lawyers. And uh, I want to bring a different perspective to Washington, so I'm choosing at this point in my life to try to serve the people of my district. Well, Mr. Miller, uh Shame on you. What are you doing? You're criticizing all these Republicans who believe in big spending, and so what? They're a couple billion dollars off on the budget. Uh, you know, thou shall never criticize another uh, Republican. Whatever happened to that, even though they're blowing our money like like crazy? Well, you know, we've got a system that's flawed, and it's fundamentally uh, been drifting uh, further and further away from uh, our founding fathers' intentions and the Constitution that that is the roadmap and the foundation for our nation. And as someone that's been a lifetime Republican and, and a, a fiscal and social conservative, um, you know, philosophy means one thing, but what you do with that and how you uh, provide leadership to our country are as important uh, as anything that, that we can do uh, in Washington. And um, I think part of the problem is, is that we have sent many, many people to Washington that have forgotten why they went there to begin with. Um, they tend to be, uh, many turn into career politicians that have their own self-interest more in mind than they do serving the people of, of our great country. And that's the reason there's such a call out for term limits, uh, for a balanced budget amendment, because all of those are signals that the American people are dissatisfied with the status quo and what our, our, our government has turned itself into. And we need more principled, conservative Republicans, but we also need people that are willing to go to Washington and really serve the people uh, rather than uh, the self-serving types of uh, uh, government that we've seen to have gotten ourselves uh, into. Okay. First question for you uh, to pose to you. Um, what actually, what one issue, if there is one, but what one issue Really, have you? If you could be a be a congressman right now, what would you? What is the main your, your number one issue that's really kind of pulling your pulling your um, you know your that just drives you crazy the most? Because I know, like you, I am uh, extremely conservative. Seeing our what's happened to the Republican Party is almost. I still don't believe it in many many ways. How you just can't tell the difference between who's who. But what one issue, uh, you know, does Craig want to go there and start uh, taking care of business? Well, I, you know, if, if you capsulize where we are as a country, um, I, you know, I have to say the national debt. Uh, that four-letter word, debt, when it's misused, whether it's misused in a family, whether it's misused in a company, whether it's misused in the government, uh, is sets you on a track that um, uh, is 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 really disastrous for the future generations of our of our country, and I want to go to Washington and focus on getting our economic engine in order, making sure that we do everything we can to to get our uh, our 
country's budget balanced, and that's going to take a combination of significant reductions in spending. We have to recognize that we are uh, a nation that is on a track that is not sustainable. And as I try to say on the, and I often say on the campaign trail, is we have become a nation uh, that is no longer independent. We've become a nation that is dependent. We're dependent on foreign oil. We're dependent on foreign money. We're, we create a culture of dependency in our young people. We, we provide um, uh, things like 99 weeks of unemployment. We offer entitlement programs we have no way to pay for. We introduce uh, uh, self-serving types of legislation that, that tends to, to satisfy uh, people in the short term, but in the, in the long term is going to cause us enormous pain. And I want to take a different view and a different message to Washington and bring a culture of independence. Uh, independence as an individual. Independence, uh, you know, based on the Constitution and making sure that uh, um, that our Constitution and particularly the rights of the states and the individuals are protected. All righty. I got a question here for you from an individual from the Florida School of Fine Arts. And as, uh, they, left the, they said you are in their district. Question, do you believe that U.S. senators should be voted or appointed as stated into the Constitution? And do you believe that the Constitution – you already answered that question. Go ahead with the first one. <laughs> well, you know, when we amended the Constitution for the direct election of, of U.S. senators, it, it clearly chipped away – at what was originally intended to be a protection by, by the states and the strengthening of the states. Unfortunately, in, in some ways, that's, that's history. Uh, I'm not uh, a believer that we're going to reverse uh, that part of our Constitution. And I, uh, although I can certainly see the merit of the way our founding fathers uh, established that, and uh, we can wish that it never happened, but I think in, from a pragmatic standpoint, we need to be focusing our kitchen on our economy. We're in a worldwide competitive market. I've been in competitive business all my life. I know what it takes to be successful when you're in competition. And we've got challenges and problems. And most importantly, we have huge opportunities. And I want to be a proponent of, uh, of bringing our country back to the strength and, and, uh, uh, and power that, that, uh, that we have historically had. And it starts with getting our economy growing again and getting our debt under control. And congratulations, uh, everyone, um, and for those at the Florida School of Fine Arts. Uh, her name is Savannah. I think you should get everybody together and uh, get a hold of uh, Mr. Miller's uh, campaign headquarters because this week a former Attorney General, Bill McCollum, is now endorsing Craig Miller. Big endorsement there. Mr. Miller, there is a, uh, another very good conservative. So getting accolades like that can only help. Um, what, what, was your, uh, what was your feeling when you heard that he's announcing uh, support well, for you? Well, you know, Bill, Bill is, has been a, a true tried conservative here in Florida for many years. You know, his legacy will now be that he filed suit against the federal government to abolish Obamacare and declare it unconstitutional. And I think that will go down as huge, huge legacy to the American people. Um, uh, Herman Cain has also endorsed my candidacy, which I appreciate Herman stepping out. Um, and and uh, General McCollum is, uh, I consider, a friend, but, but also a true conservative that really uh, cares for the people of, of not only District 6, but the, the state of Florida. And anyone out there in the listening, uh, this listening tonight, go to Miller2012.com. Now, contact my campaign. If you can donate a few bucks to the campaign, campaigns don't run on air, that would be helpful. And if you would like to volunteer, we'd certainly appreciate because uh, this is going to be a, a, a grassroots campaign, and we're going to need uh, a lot of volunteers. I've, uh, I've just posted your website in there into the, uh, <clears throat> in the chat room. And, everybody, I'm uh, making an, an official announcement as well. I'm known as the conservative of all conservatives, I myself am supporting Mr. Miller. As a person in the food service business, I, I noticed uh, when you took over Ruth Chris, I noticed a notch up that it not only went, but it maintained. For some people who go to different different restaurants and you look around and you're detail-oriented, 
I always looked around and just you could just clearly see the change in the franchise. And I know it's not just you, but it was many, many others. And you can clearly see that Ruth Chris took several notches above. And it start, you know, it starts with me. That's that's a famous saying for people in food service. And you know, Mr. Miller, I uh, have nothing but. I mean, I am I am so behind your campaign. I honestly wish at this point I, I really lived in your district. And speaking of surprises, Annie, my co-host from Southern Sense, who was with us the last time, she's with us. Hey, Annie. Good afternoon or good evening. <laughs> Hi, Annie. Nice to talk to you as well. It's a pleasure, sir. Now, you know, Mr. Miller, uh, between the last time we uh, talked and uh, we had you on the Southern Sense, Annie had herself a little interview with Michelle Bachman. Uh, Michelle didn't take too kindly to Annie uh, pushing some questions. Uh, so, Annie, don't chase Mr. Miller away, but if you've got a tough question for him, fire away there. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, you just sent me a message saying call in. So I called in, and I'm going, okay, I'm listening, listening, listening. Well, Actually, uh, Mr. Miller is a fantastic candidate, and I'm glad that we have more and more conservatives coming out of the woodwork to stand up and run. And the problem is we have so many candidates that claim they're conservatives but pull the rhino on us. Um, Mr. Miller, I got a question then in that case. Um, how do we know you won't pull a rhino on us? Well, you know, I people ask me, and they tell me quite often, Annie, that what happens when people go to Washington? Why did why did they say one thing in the district and do something else in Washington? And my answer to them is is that look at the background of the people, and if you if you go to Washington and you have uh, more concern about whether you're going to get reelected or whether somebody's going to donate to your campaign, um, you know, you become what I call many of the people that are in Washington, paid advocates. Everybody knows what a paid advocate is. It's someone that's compensated or, or, or in some way paid to, you know, to advocate for a special, uh, a special interest or a special position. The difference in, my, in myself is that I am an experienced advocate, and I know what I have seen work for me. And when you go from the lowest rung of the economic ladder, my dad was orphaned when he was eight years old. I come from a family that said, do for yourself. Get out there, get in the game, and work hard. And that's an attitude that and, and, and that was instilled in me. And it, the, our country offered me the opportunity to grab on that ladder at a very low rung and pull myself up. So when I go to Washington, I want to be a champion for the things that I know, and I know because it worked in my life. And it worked in the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that I've employed and worked with. I've created over 40,000 jobs in my business career. And I've had a lot of success in business. I've also made mistakes. I've learned from them. And that's the life's experiences that so many people don't take to Washington. And they can say they're principled conservatives, but if you've never hired an illegal immigrant, and you don't understand the problems that illegal immigration and the fact that our federal government will not live up to its own responsibilities to protect our border. If you haven't actually done those things, all you can do is talk about it. And then when you get to Washington, you face the decision-making process, and you're just not well enough uh, experienced, and you haven't had the real-life experience to be able to drive home why some of these things are so important and why we have to, to you know, to get these problems resolved. Now, he opened, he opened a door here, uh, Mike, um, when he mentioned illegal immigration and hiring them. Are you a proponent of hiring illegal immigrants, or are you one that wants to see E-Verify and for them to come in in a legal manner? Well, I am certainly not a proponent of hiring illegal immigrants. What, what, what my point is, is that when you're in the real world and somebody comes in and gives you a fake ID and, and, and proposes to be in this country legally and you hire them and then you find out that they're illegal and you have to fire them, that's the experience that I've had. I put e-verification in Ruth's Chris Steakhouse when it became available. I testified last summer uh, before the Judiciary Committee in support of uh, Lamar Smith's piece of legislation that would make e-verification mandatory 
um, uh, in our country. And it is a good tool, and it works. And we have to wake up to the fact that the, the rule of law, and this is not about uh, uh, being insensitive to the problems and challenges of other people. This is about the rule of law. And Abraham Lincoln said, if you've got bad laws, enforce the heck out of them, and the people will change the laws. And we have bad legal immigration laws, and we have an unwillingness on the part of, of many people in America, and especially the federal government, to enforce the laws that are on the books. Oh, so amen true. to that. Uh, one, one, another question, Mr. Miller. You know, we are we are getting closer and closer to uh, summer. Um, I think the last time we talked, gas prices were about three twenty, and some places are over four dollars now. Uh, yeah. What is your? Well, I'm looking at your site, so I, I know your opinion. But um, for, for everyone else, why the hell is the United States not energy efficient? What the hell is going on here? Well, you know, we have. It, it, it's it's part of this. Uh, idea that America uh, is willing to accept a dependency from other countries and other sources for its energy. We have a twofold uh, challenge or opportunity, as I like to say. First and foremost, we have to accept the fact that we are a large consumer of, of, uh, of oil and that we're currently unwilling to tap into the resources that we have in this country and we're willing to spend $750 billion of our own hard-earned assets overseas. By the way, we're borrowing that money in order to, to acquire the energy that we need here in this country. And until our, our nation and our leaders step forward and make a, a concerted effort to return our country to a level of a balanced level of energy independence, we're going to continue to go on this track. And we're open to the speculators. We're open to the supply and demand of the market, and the worldwide supply is, or demand is continuing to grow. Emerging countries are consuming much, much more fuel. This is not going to stop until the American government and the American people have had enough, and they will force change in Washington that will uh, put our country on a track of energy independence. All righty, a question from Blagler, which she says that she's in your area. Yes. <clears throat> if elected, would you vote to remove the czars that have been in place for, I think it's just for many years. It was in a private message. you got to work on your spelling there, honey. But anyway, um, regarding, and I think I think there's we're up to like 45 czars now. <laughs> this, you know, the whole idea that, that the executive branch has, has uh, worked outside the system, uh, whether it's through appointments, recess appointments to the National Labor Relations Board, recess appointments to uh, to other agencies that uh, have uh, have skirted around the the, the approval process that's uh, uh, that's in place in you know in in our laws uh, is is shameful. I mean, if 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 we continue to allow this thing this to, to continue on this track, we're going to face uh, an ongoing uh, disconnect between, you know, the needs and, and hopes of the American people and its leaders. And it's an absence of leadership. It's an absence of the ability to, you know, to, to live within uh, the Constitution as it was, uh, uh, as it was written. And uh, I would be a huge proponent of restricting the, the types of appointments that have been made, uh, including recess appointments, which I believe uh, is shameful for both parties uh, uh, because, you know, vetting the people that are going to be put in a position to, um, you know, to, to actually uh, control people's lives, businesses' lives, uh, and it's outside the system, the normal approval system, is, is not the way our, our country was, was designed to work. Annie? Yeah, uh, Mr. Miller, I have just one last question. I mean, I, I, I pretty sure I know what your answer is going to be and one I'll, I'll agree with. But right now, our biggest problem with Congress, both the House and the and the Senate, is that they're no longer beholden to the people that elect them outside of getting the votes to elect them. 
Uh, their entire paycheck and remunerations are all through Congress, federal government. Would you be willing to work for, and I believe you'll need a constitutional amendment to do this, to remove that and then put their paychecks back in the hands of the states that actually elect them and make well, them now more responsible to the people that do elect them? Well, you know, this, the system has certainly uh, become very flawed whether it's uh, benefit programs, the idea that, that an insurance program is specially designed for members of, of, of Congress, um, that no other, you know, no other uh, even federal worker is entitled to, uh, the fact that they can uh, you know, influence the outcome of, of, uh, uh, of their own personal wealth based on the information they get as, as a member of Congress. All, all of this is so distasteful to me. You know, I've run public companies for a long, long time. Uh, you know, being uh, ethical and being willing to uh, make sure that you do everything uh, above board is something that that you know that I was raised on. It's a rule of law, and it's it's very distasteful. And I think one of the reasons why Congress has such low approval ratings across the board with the American people is the American people are tired of of sending to Washington people that have their own self-interest in mind as compared to actually representing. There's a difference between going to Washington and representing yourself and going to Washington and representing the people that actually elected you to go there. Oh, that's okay. a big amen um, on that one. Uh, another, another question. We've got a couple, just a couple more. Um, this is kind of a non-political question, but you are a Floridian. Um, 49 states and uh, the rest of the world all eyes are in southern Florida um, for Von Martin's situation. Um, care to comment on uh, what's going, what's taking place? Well, it's uh, you know certainly Florida is under the microscope, and, and Central Florida, uh, the Sanford area, is, is struggling with uh, this very uh, very very tough situation. Um, I, I know there was some news earlier today that that um, uh, that I haven't had it chance to actually get uh get fully informed on concerning um concerning the case uh, i have met and have an enormous amount of respect uh for the uh prosecuting attorney out of jacksonville that is uh was appointed by governor scott and i i believe that this will be resolved in a in a in a fair and appropriate way um based based on our legal process uh, I, I also would say that uh, I'm a you know I'm a very uh, pro Second Amendment person. Um, however, I, I would I would also say that um, you know a a uh, a situation like this is is something that um, because of the circumstances involved, uh, what seems to have happened was someone went from a um, a neighborhood watch program to, in some ways, a neighborhood patrol program. And I have so much respect for our uh, uh, sheriffs and, and public service workers who are very well trained and very well um, uh, vetted, you know, to be in a position to be on patrol. And it does cause some level of concern when we see these this situation get to the point that it did where uh, a young man lost his life, and the consequences associated with that uh, are uh, are under such uh, such question. Alrighty, and I, I I also think there's such a rush to judgment. You know, the system the system is flawed. We all know that, but the system takes time. Let just let time take care of itself. I mean, it, yeah, it's the it's the same group of uh, same group of what I would call racial marketers. They always flock to whatever city to make a racial issue. But that's nor here nor there. That's for another time. Um, my last question for you is a big one. Uh, recently, obviously, we just talked about the uh, former attorney general, who's a great conservative, endorsing you, uh, Obamacare. What uh, What's your opinion as far as, as, as the Supreme Court dwells on it? And uh, how would Craig Miller, as congressman, have voted on Obamacare? Well, I certainly was a strong opponent to Obamacare. I've been employing thousands of people and have been on the front lines and understand, uh, you know, how 
business and the individual will be impacted by uh, a full uh, enactment of that of that law. Um, I'm very proud of my state of Florida and Bill McCollum uh, for stepping forward very early on and taking on this uh, issue. I have felt ever since this process started that that this mandate this mandate um, uh, that would require uh, every American to uh, uh, to be involved with a federal uh, insurance program is unconstitutional, and I have a lot of faith in our Supreme Court and the decision uh, that I believe they're going to render later this year that will declare uh, uh, the majority of, of the uh, parts of this bill as being unconstitutional. And uh, uh, and we will go back to trying to find, you know, reasonable constitutional solutions uh, to, uh, to the health care uh, opportunities and challenges that our country has. Oh, great. Uh, just a, a quick uh, comment. Uh, number one is, what turned me on to you, Mr. Miller, is I know you're a man of convictions. Uh, like me, I'm a conservative, and I'm not afraid to criticize other conservatives. The goal is the Constitution, and our goal is conservatism, whether it's $1 over our budget or a billion dollars. As conservatives, we want to balance the budget. I know Annie feels that way as well. And I really like the fact that uh, you're seeking – you want to be a public servant. And let me tell you, Mr. Miller, and I hope you don't take offense to this when you see your wife, if you get elected congressman, you will have the, wow, you're going to have the most beautiful wife in Congress because she is beautiful. Looking at your family picture here, I'm like, man. Thanks very much. I appreciate that, and I will pass that on to her. How long have you been married? Oh, that's that's, uh, a long story. Susan and I met originally at the Colony Theater here in Winter Park, Florida, when I was stationed at McCoy Air Force back in Orlando, back in the uh, back in the early '70s, actually before I went to Vietnam. So we've been together a long, long time. Thinking and, uh, falls into the GI. Some things never <laughs> change. There you go. <laughs> well, great. And I Mr. just Miller, had you know, just had the pleasure to have my second uh, grandchild was born a, a few uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, we've got well, two great, great grandsons. What, uh, what are their names? Uh, my first grandson is named Tate. Uh, Tate Brisbane, and the second one that was born about a month ago, he's actually a February 29th baby, a leap year baby, uh, is Liam Beckett. Wow. Well, well, every four years he's going to have a great, uh, great shindig. Mr. Miller, I uh, hope to have you again. Nothing but well wishes for you. And let me tell you, I am uh, from my Facebook to my Twitter to everything I can do to help on your behalf. Uh, we want to get you the Republican nomination and send you to Washington. Because, you know, Mr. Miller, you are the standard for what I think a true politician, husband, and father should be measured. And with that said, closing statement, sir. Well, thank you very much. And, again, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to chat with your audience tonight. And Miller2012.com, you know, if if, if people would, would reach into their pocket and send $10 or $20 to, you know, to a con- good congressional candidate, we can change Washington by the type of people we send there. And I want to be the person that stepped off the curb and got out there and tried to make a difference for the American people. So thanks very much for having me. Well, thank you, Mr. Miller. And as as always, you are always welcome back. I know Annie's still on the line. She private messaged me. She said, see if you can get him back for our show. And <laughs> that's great. great. Well, you thank have you very good much. Evening. Well, thank you for taking time out of your evening to speak with us. Thank you very much, Mr. Miller. Annie, yeah, closing you. statement? No, um, I appreciate it, Ben. I, re- I do remember uh, in uh, interviewing Mr. Miller back early when my show was just started, and I'm, I'm glad he's being able to make the BTR rounds and get more and more support uh, uh, from uh, conservatives here on BTR. Uh, it's yeah. awesome that you had him on here. Uh, I See, I, I know I was asking tough questions, but people need to hear his answers. Well, he's not afraid. He he ran Ruth Chris. He took Ruth Chris. He he, he made it just did what it is. Well, I, not just him, but he yeah you know the the pilot still does fly the plane. We lose that in the sight of uh, as as a cook. I still realize with how I've seen general managers come and go. And when you lose a uh, general manager, uh, you see what happens. I mean, you exactly see what happens. And I mean, a pilot still flies the plane. We may lose sight of that, but he is absolutely everything we want in a candidate. He reminds me a lot of the uh, uh, your guy from South Carolina that I really like as well. A true conservative with two Jim values. Jim Yes. A hus- no, no, no. The other guy. The guy who wants to run everyone. In- 
he said he's uh, going to run Republicans against uh, the other Republicans because if they're not conservative, he doesn't oh, want them in Chad the party. Chad Conley. Yeah, Chad, that's Chad so. Conley. Yes. Great. Okay, on behalf of the C. Robert Jones retired Marine who also lives in Mr. Miller's district, so we're going to get uh, C. Robert Jones involved in there. And on behalf of the beautiful Southern Sense Buford County Tea Party in South Carolina, <laughs> thank you to Mr. Miller. Good night, everybody. And remember, oh, got to listen to this as we close the show. Listen to this. This is a group of sixth graders that's saying uh, proud to be an American as a tribute to our troops. This is how we'll close the show. Thank you.